Welcome back to the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing, buddy? JP, happy holidays. Oh, Tim, thanks. You too. <laughs> how are things up in uh, your, your part of the country? <sighs> Living the COVID dream, Tim. Got lots of snow yet? <laughs> no, not even a dust. Not even a dust particle. We got a few more. We got about a half an inch two days ago. It's almost melted, but um, they're getting hammered this you know, this weekend and on the northeast side of the state. So um, just in time for the holiday travel, if there's much of that. I think snowfall only is really measured or considered important when it's in the northeast. So like New York and Boston and things like that. So yeah. Midwest doesn't really matter. So. Speaking of the East Coast, I believe our our guest is out east. I guess that's kind of east. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Last week, I opened the show. I I said I was going to do something different, and I opened it. I remember I said, yo, yo, yo. (laughs) You you were a week off. I know. So this week, we have, I mean, yo, yo, yo. We have the rapping plumber, Danny G, Danny Gronendike, owner of Gronendike Plumbing, Maryville, Indiana. Danny G, what's going on, buddy? Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing great, man. Doing good. We're yeah, I'm coming great. live from uh, North Carolina at the moment. I'm on the road. Yeah, Tim mentioned you were on the East Coast, North Carolina. Uh, I know I talked to you earlier, and you said you were helping your brother install a certain tankless unit. Yes, I was. Can I mention that tankless unit? Yeah, sure. Why not? I would love to. I, I just installed a Navian NPE 240A uh, tankless water heater, and that is the choice that I choose on all of my tankless water heaters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's running great. He's very happy with it. That's a good brotherly act. I mean, going all the way from Indiana to North Carolina to install a tankless nice yeah, brother it is well you know he's a nice brother as well i'll tell you um you know my my mom's had some health issues over the last year and a half and she i don't know if you know she eventually passed about a month ago mm-hmm. and um we made a lot of trips in the last year a uh, lot of a lot of flights into raleigh durham it's about an hour drive from their house to raleigh durham and i'll tell you i say all that to say this my brother would come and pick us up at the airport and take us back to the airport no matter what time crazy time in the morning we had to leave he never has complained once even though mm-hmm. we feel like it's an imposition he has went out of his way to make sure we did not feel that and so this was the very smallest thing that i could do to to pay him back for for the thanks for all that well that's, that's very awesome. nice and i yeah. i know i heard him earlier before we started the podcast he was talking to behind you so is he still trying to say all these good things about himself to you (laughs) yes no that's that's cool you have a a cool brother like that so yes i do yes interestingly uh, we just got done with the hub spotlight which you're featured on mechanicalhub.com and I was reading all your responses and I'm like, man, we got to get this guy on. He is so cool. He is so <laughs> interesting. I mean, I I think I said you're one interesting cat. I believe it, man. Uh, from, you know, the plumbing success you've had to even before that you had this, Tim, what's the word? Entre- Entrepreneurship. Yep. You had that spirit inside and you had a video game store. You, you, you know, you worked for your dad at the, at the mill. A lot of cool stories. You even were uh, a navy in the 
No, not the Navy. The, Don't the say U.S. The Air Navy. Force. It was in the Air Force. Yeah, yes. the U.S. Yes. Air Force as a firefighter. Um, man, I don't even know where to begin. But let, I, I mean, I got to ask you about the wrapping. Sure. Uh, wrapping plumber Danny G. T- tell us about how this came about. I know you said back in high school you did it, but yeah. it's kind of always stayed with you. Let's talk about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, no, I, I remember very vividly uh, to the actual point of what hall that I was in the first time that I heard Run DMC come on one of these jam boxes that we used to carry around. Mm-hmm. And uh, and ever since then, uh, it has just been something that is ingrained in me, the, the whole rapping, the rhyming, the doing it to the beat. Uh, with me, though, the key is you got to be able to understand the lyrics. So I'm kind of yeah. stuck in old school rap because that was storytelling and uh you know a lot of this new stuff is just more about you know mumble rap and just you know it's hard to understand what they're saying so uh, i'm kind of old school and i still listen to i have a good old school playlist uh, that includes a lot of the names that we talked about earlier uh, off the air and uh and a few more that we didn't talk about well you mentioned um you know the rapping and growing up sure listening to rap, but this is more of just a hobby. I mean, you, you mentioned in 2020, you've kind of honed the skills and you're now uh, doing rapping. I don't know if that's, you just call it promotional raps and recordings for different companies. Sure. And you, you recently went to Nibco to, to do a little rap and roll or whatever you call it. Yeah. <laughs> so tell hey. us about how, how this, you know, this past year and it's kind of culminated into this, this burgeoning rap career that you know you're on the precipice of sure well i'll tell you where it started it started i believe it was shortly after the covid thing kicked off and uh, i got contacted by a company out of uh, canada a vancouver area uh, rmc uh, mechanical Mm -hmm. and um, uh, he he approached me and said hey would you be interested in doing a a rap for a radio commercial that we would like to, to have on a couple stations up here. And I had never done that. And I thought I'd right away. I said, sure. And, you know, he made sure that, that, uh, that I knew that it would be something he, he would pay for. He wasn't looking for no freebie or favor or nothing like that. And so I thought, okay, well, let's go ahead and try this, you know? And so we didn't even agree on a price. Um, I just went ahead and said, hey, let's get to work on this. We did. Uh, they loved it. Um, and I actually went to, uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be mad at me for saying this, but I uh, went to charge him and he said that wasn't enough. And he actually paid me more because mm-hmm. I was undercharging. And I think he knew what the industry, he's probably checked into it and I hadn't. Uh, Mm -hmm. so he actually paid me more. And so that kind of set the bar for others. So once that one came out, that was on two different radio stations for like a six week period, uh, and, and had, he had great success with that. Uh, and I was thankful that he would send me feedback that he got. So if he got an email from, from somebody, a customer that, uh, he had never met before. So it wasn't even a customer. It's just a stranger that it would email him Mm -hmm. and talk about, Hey, um, you know, we've never uh, had the need for your services, but if I was hiring a plumber, I will hire you in the future based on your commercial. Yeah. Based on the creativity. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 
I thought, wow, that was really cool. So, and they got other good feedback, good feedback from the radio station. So then uh, a few others started contacting me. Um, there was uh, Hot Shots uh, Drain Cleaning in Michigan. Uh, they, they said right away, hey, we, we want one. What's it going to take? And I told them they were right on board. We did it. They also had uh, some good feedback as well. Um, down in Florida, there was one. So that's, that's kind of starting to roll out with these like 30 second radio commercial spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually got one right now that I'm, that I'm in the midst of writing for a company really close to where I'm at right now in North Carolina, about 30 minutes from me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've put a deposit down and then a company in Bermuda, uh, has also yeah, put a deposit down. Yeah, there you go. They asked, they asked me for a little bit of a, uh, like a, a Jamaican uh, kind of a music. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Come the, ac- <laughs> the accent won't be there, but the music will have that, that, uh, that uh, Caribbean feel or a Caribbean feel, whatever. That's cool. So, um, so I'm working on those. Well, in the meantime there, uh, that kind of led to Nibco reaching out and they had an idea uh, to help launch uh, a new product line. And they asked if I would be on board for that. We negotiated that. Um, and they've been a great company to, to, to work with. Uh, so far, we're kind of early in our relationship. But uh, I've ar- already gotten two songs written for them. And just did uh, last week. I was just there. I believe it was uh, last Friday. Uh, went there and recorded the music video for it at their headquarters in Indiana. So when does this debut? Can you tell us? You know, I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Uh, it's, it's completed. It has been delivered to uh, NIPCO. Uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I got great feedback uh, from NIPCO yeah. on it from like four different marketing people. And I believe their, their, their top salesperson or VP of nice. sales, I believe. Uh, yeah. So uh, they all loved it, the video. And I would imagine within the, and maybe even by the time this, this airs, it, it might have been out by then. So we're looking at probably within the next week, I would assume they're going to, it's going to be them that releases it first. Mm-hmm. Once they release it, then I'll put it on my social media as well. So tell me about, you, you have, um, do you have the recording equipment at your house? Do you record most of the time at your, at your home? How, how does that work? So there's a studio that I go to. It's, it's at my producer's home. And my producer started off as a customer. I, I fixed a leak in his kitchen sink. Uh, and once I did that, that's when I realized through talking uh, to him what he did. And we developed a relationship where he became my producer. So I usually go there to his studio that he has in his house. Uh, he has you know, some, some nice recording equipment set up. Mm-hmm. Well, then his, his recording room got turned back into a bedroom because he had some in-laws that needed a, a place to stay while their house was being uh, renovated. And so at that time, he actually brought his studio on the road to my house and we set up and we recorded a couple, a couple of the last songs were recorded actually at my house. Mm-hmm. So, but now have we're you, back in, we're back at his house in the studio. Have you thought about doing it on your own? Uh, no, I don't have that. I don't have Expertise. that expertise yeah sometimes you just got to leave it up to to the person <laughs> the that knows what they're doing you got it you got that's it. why your brother had you there installing a tank yeah that's why i'm installing the tankless <laughs> and 
and my brother's not. You got it. So going back to the rap, uh, do you do you do you get your own creative freedom when you're doing this? When you said that uh, you're able to write uh, some of the promotional stuff, or is the promotional stuff handed to you, and then you got to like make it work in within a you know a rap context or a rap? Sure. Kind of a little, little bit of both of those. So mm-hmm. the the way that I, I kind of start off is by trying to draw as much information out of somebody of the messages that they would like to get across. So mm-hmm. whether it's one of the companies that I'm doing those radio spots for, hey, what do you want to show off? What are you wanting to, to talk about your company? What are you most proud of? Or what are you wanting to, to, to get out of this? And, oh, we're wanting to start doing more water heaters or we're really uh, proud of our drain cleaning or what our customer service. So I, I try to get as much to make the wrap more about them. Instead of it being just a generic plumbing company wrap, I want to make it about their plumbing company. You know, uh, same way with the NIPCO. You know, we talked and and uh, and they kind of gave me a bunch of data of of stuff about the product that I'm going to wrap about. And mm-hmm. then I have pretty much creative uh, control over writing it, and I'll present it to them to the customer and let allow for some changes. You know, if they, ah, oh, we don't like the way that that line comes over, you know, can you, can you work with us on that? Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and make some changes to it. And, you know, cause I want them overall, I want them to be happy with it. So, and it's sometimes it's hard to know when I'm coming up with the line, is that exactly how they would want it to be said? But mm-hmm. for the most part, I will say I've been met with very little changes, uh, to the lines or to the, to the songs. That's cool, man. Do you yeah. do this for your own company? No, I should, shouldn't why, I? Why not? <laughs> I'll be honest. I'll tell you exactly why not, because I'm a one man shop. I hit my phone rings every day. Even when I'm here in North Carolina, my phone's ringing for jobs back home. Uh, I can only handle so much plumbing. And so I don't advertise at all. I'm mm-hmm. it's zero advertising. And it's, that goes against like every company in the country. Like everyone wants to advertise to get business. Well, when you got, and it starts to, to network out and this person tells this person and this word person on Facebook, it's word of mouth. And, and because of lack of, I don't know, good plumbers or, or whatever, then, then people start calling. So if I did any type of promotion, it might make my phone ring more than I can, more than I can be able to answer calls. Mm-hmm. So that's really the reason why is, is I just, I'm happy with the, I'm comfortable with the level that it's been steady for the last eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really don't, I get more stressed out when I have too many jobs that I can't do. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, when COVID hit that the first couple of days you were a little nervous, but then it kind of went back to normal. Yeah, it definitely did. I, I was like, what in the world? You know, this is kind of a, an odd thing for the phone not to ring for a couple of days. And um, it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like you said, it made me nervous. And then the phone just started right back to my sewers plugged up, my water heater's leaking everywhere. And, yeah. you know, those calls just kept kept coming. And Yeah, plumbing problems are always going to be there. So, yeah. Yeah, I like to say uh, that service plumbing is recession proof and now uh, pandemic proof. Yeah, we found that out for sure this in the last eight months. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool to kind of dive into your rapping, you know, your new rapping career. But uh, you know, bottom line is you're a plumber. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
how did you get started in the industry? Um, kind of take us through a little bit of uh, your back bio. Sure. Well, uh, when I got out of the, uh, when I, well, whenever I graduated, I went into the Air Force and uh, I was in the United States Air Force Fire Department, most specifically, uh, for a little over five years. And uh, I was stationed in Wichita, Kansas. So I was working with water at that time, just in a different regard. Um, got out of the fire department and went to work in a steel mill where my dad worked. Uh, my dad worked there for 37 years. Uh, so that, that gave me a, an in there. And then uh, just working with machines and, and uh, processing steel for 12 years. The last four years of which... I was actually working two jobs. I was working the full-time steel mill, but that's when the uh, entrepreneurship, did I, did I say that right, Tim? Hit it. I'm, Perfect. All right. Right on the head. Very good. So that's when that bug bit me, and I just decided to do something. Uh, I saw a little opportunity uh, in the market uh, for video games. Uh, specifically for the rental of video games because everywhere was renting all the big stores, the blockbusters, the box office videos. They were renting games for five days for $5. And I would go and rent a movie for one day, but if I wanted to rent a game for the kids, it was a five-day rental. I'm bringing the movie back the next day, and then now I've got to come back again in a couple more days. So I, mm -hmm. I found that to be odd. I wanted to, to rent them and return them at the same time. And so I started a, a, a business called Games by the Day, and uh, you could rent it. It was $1.99 for a rental, and it was for a day. Now, they could keep it for as many days as they wanted, and it was a dollar a day, therefore, when they returned it. And so people like that because it may take them two days to beat a game. It may take them eight days to beat a game. Uh, however, they would pay for it when they returned. So that, that model worked out really well. And that was before a lot of these other uh, daily rentals that you might have seen since then. It was kind of mm -hmm. one of the first ones that was doing it. Uh, it worked out well at one store. I opened up a second location, and that location was just not happening. It, it was just not a great location. I chose bad. And so uh, that, that kind of did me in a little bit because I really wasn't financially ready to open that and have it not do as well as the first one. So I was really struggling the last year. I was open for four years. It was my hopes of getting out of the steel mill. It was my way of kind of creating something to, mm -hmm. to, to move to. And once I saw that that really wasn't going to happen, I had an opportunity to get into the, um, the plumbers union uh, there in Northwest Indiana uh, to get into their apprenticeship program. And I just decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, close up shop. And I'm going to go ahead and start a new career. I was 35 years old. Uh, so I was the oldest guy in my, my plumbing apprenticeship. Um, who, um, who, who was the one that uh, you, you mentioned? You had a friend that sure. uh, encouraged you to get into that. Who, who was that? Uh, you know, his name was Dave Cermak. All right. Mm -hmm. And he is a great friend of mine. Uh, interest, interestingly, interestingly, now that's a harder word than entrepreneurship. Yeah. Okay. It's almost the same structure. Yeah, you see? I'm telling yeah. you, Tim. Interesting enough. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Uh, so he actually, he and I grew up down the street from each other, five houses down, four houses down. 
so we're only a couple years apart, so we're building tree forts, we're building underground forts, we're playing baseball in the, in the yard, all those things. Uh, when we when we grew up, I went off to the Air Force, he went off to the Marine Corps, and our grandparents got married. Oh, wow. So he kind of became a cousin by marriage. Uh, and so then he got out of the Marine Corps, he got into the plumbing uh, business, and, um, and he... Uh, was on the uh, apprenticeship committee at the at the union hall. He also was an estimator and kind of in charge of hiring at, at one of the, the, the plumbing companies. And so he was one of the interviewers that I had to get into the apprenticeship program. Uh, so that, that was, I would say, an assistance, a, a, a help there. And then he hired me at that first company uh, that I worked at. Um, and so... He was very instrumental at helping me to get in and get my career started, and, and I'm I'm always thankful for him, and, and we're still very good friends. We're kind of no longer cousins as our grandparents have both passed, but yeah. I still I still consider him a cousin. He's he's a he's a great trusted friend. Tim and I refer to each other as a, a brother from a different mother. There you is go. That, there you that, go. Uh, I would say the, Yeah, I would say the same thing. Yes. Danny, real curious. I'm curious. You. You were a firefighter in the Air Force. Why not join a fire department out of the Air Force? Was there any interest? Well, there was interest. I I definitely tried that. I actually um, uh, came home. I flew home when I was still in the Air Force before I got out, and I took the written test. Um, did you know pretty well on that written test. And then when it came time to a couple months later take the physical agility portion. Uh, I wasn't able to get the leave. Uh, you can only have two guys off per shift, yeah. and they were very unwavering about it. And so there's, I didn't have any choice when they, when the physical agility test was being given, I couldn't get off to come back and take it. So that kind of hampered me there. Then I kind of got to finding out that all the communities in our area, we had like 20 communities in our northwest Indiana area. Only about four of them were paid fire departments. The rest of them are volunteer. Yeah. Well, that, that doesn't help. Uh, and so there was a reason, you know, there just wasn't like two of the communities you had to live in. And I didn't want to live in them communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of them were just, it's just a, not a thing you can kind of walk in. And so that kind of hampered the whole going right into a fire department. Uh, and then I got a job in the mill, which was actually making more money than, yeah. than the fire service. So what, what do you love most about the plumbing trades? The feeling that I get, uh, you know, and I, and I don't want to be cliche or anything, but the feeling that I get helping people, mm-hmm. um, that is, so if it was only the money, I think that, that it would actually get old. Uh, mm-hmm. But what doesn't get old is when you've done something and A, the money still has to be there, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, at the end of that job, somebody goes, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. You are a hero. And they're not just uh, trying to blow wind up your skirt, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. But they're, they're, you could see the relief on their face that they were in a bind. They had no idea uh, how they were going to get out of that. Their whole house was, was shut down because of it. And you just came in and did something that was impossible to them. That's a mm-hmm. good feeling. I think that that feeling is one of the things that I love the most about my career. And then you mentioned in the hub spotlight uh, some things that the industry needs to work on. One of them was a universal plumbing code. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, I can. It, it's so annoying to see in some of these, uh, uh, you know, online, let's say Facebook groups, uh, you know, people uh, show their work and right away, 30 other people, oh, you can't do that. that that's not yeah. code. You, know, you can't. Not in Massachusetts, know. you can't. Not in Massachusetts. <laughs> that won't pass in mass. I mean, how many times have we heard that, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, those, those type of things. And so many of them are, I don't want to say silly, but not uh, not hugely important. And so it makes you wonder why, why does it, why do they have that code that makes you do that? But yet in the rest of the country, it's okay. Mm. You know, to me that there's just something that's, that's off about that. Now I understand climate stuff. So, you know, your guys' code, my code up there in the, in the Midwest, it kind of needs to, to involve being deep in the ground with water service, stuff like that. Um, but in Florida, no, they're a foot or 18 inches in the ground with water service. I don't know, something like that. Um, so I understand the climate uh, differences. And so I understand those type of differences. But just, you know, a studer vent, you know, come on. If it works in the rest of the country, why won't it work in your state? You know, mm-hmm. it's a studer vent, you know. Mm-hmm. And so those, those are the hangups that I think I would like to see ironed out. And I don't know how, I don't, I don't have an answer as to how, if it means some sort of a federal code with state climatic differences. I don't have the answers. I just wish they would get it all straightened out. Danny, are you very active with you know, local organizations? I'm busy. And I hate to say that, you know, we're trying to be a one man show and that takes up so much of my time. I really don't even make a lot of commitments for myself. Um, you know, I don't commit to a lot of stuff and that kind of aggravates my wife a little bit sometimes, but you know, I, I don't know what time I'm going to be home every day. So I, you know, to, to, uh, it's even affected my, my, uh, church life, you know, uh, I'm not as committed there neither because I can't say that, okay, yeah, at five 30, you know, I can be there because yeah. at four 30, I've got something tore apart that was an emergency or I'm having a hard time rotting a sewer. I'm not going to stop rotting a sewer just so I can go and make this 5:30 meeting that I committed to. I mean, yeah. but do you put some sort of, um, I'm not saying restriction or some kind of like, you got to regulate your life somehow. Like what if you get calls in the middle of the night? Are you taking those calls? Or are you just you know, well, wait till the morning till I get my six hours of sleep or whatever? It is? <laughs> well, here's one thing I don't have on the side of my truck. It does not say emergency service. I do not. And since I don't advertise, I'm not advertising that I'm an emergency call me in the middle of the night kind of guy. Now, yeah. if you're one of my customers and you have been woken up in the middle of the night and got water spraying everywhere, I'm not going to let you down. I'm going to, I'm going to, it doesn't happen often, but I'm going to, at least, if nothing else, walk you through shutting it down over the over the phone. Okay, we can contain this. Your water heater's out. We'll fix it in the morning type of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I had to, I'll get out of bed and, and go. And I've done that before. Um, uh, actually, um, when the when the uh, Cubs won the World Series, I don't know if yeah. you guys remember that or not. But or man, the Cubs. What was, uh, what's Tim, that? Tim's not the a Cubs. Cubs fan. <laughs> I'm a Cardinal fan. Come on, he's right. <laughs> well, the, I think that it went into, if I'm not, I'm not a big Cubs fan, but I watched, you know, I watched when they were winning like that. And, you know, I get a call and they, the regulation time, it just went out, whatever ninth inning was over. It was tied. They were about to go into the 10th inning and I get a call and it's for a sump pump. This guy's mm-hmm. basement's flooded. 
And he wanted me to come right then. And my answer, I'm sorry, but the Cubs game is now the World Series is in overtime here. Uh, I'll be ready to leave as soon as the as soon as it ends. And he said, okay. So I bibbed up. <laughs> I actually got all bibbed up and ready to go and watch the end of it in my bibs. And as soon as it was done, I took off. So, so I will that, like that. Go ahead. That's part of your look is the bibs. Uh, any reason for that? Well, uh, my first job that I showed up on in the trade, I wore jeans and a T-shirt. I get there, and there's, I believe, three or four journeymen working. It was a school remodel. It was my middle school that I went to, uh, mm-hmm. which was an interesting first job, going back to your middle school. Mm-hmm. And all the guys, all them three, three or four, they all had bib overalls. And mm-hmm. so right away, I'm like, okay, well, it kind of tells me that maybe I shouldn't have wore jeans and uh, you know, this is what they're doing. So the, that night, that first night I went out, I found a pair of bib overalls. And so from the second day in the trade, that's what I had. And I actually fell in love with them because not with them guys with the bib overalls, because mm-hmm. uh, I got all these pockets. pockets. That I can- yeah. <laughs> like where are the pockets? It's like wearing cargo shorts, you know? Yeah, exactly. You got pockets. And so I carry the same exact set of tools. You could probably go through so many pictures and videos that I've got online and Mm -hmm. almost see the exact same tools in the same spots in my bibs if you tried to pick it out. Yeah, Uh, muscle memory. Yeah, exactly. I could do it with my eyes closed. So um, I know right where it all goes. Uh, So that's the main reason that and... um, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it offers me a kind of another layer of protection, uh, you know, against elements. You know, it's just seeing the yeah. water sprays or whatever. I don't necessarily get get soaked all the way through, things like that. You know, it just mm-hmm. gives me a different layer. If you go to the hub and you read, you know, John's uh, introduction to Danny G, you know, you talk about health uh, and how that's played a role in your life. And uh, from one, you know, from being extremely healthy to maybe letting yourself grow downhill a little bit, but how, how, how important is health to you and how, how does that help you with your daily, you know, not only daily life, but you know, your work. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it actually has been a very big roller coaster on my, my health and, and I'll, and I'll just call it what it is in specific for me. My weight is, has always been a challenge for me throughout my whole life. Uh, but at one point after I had gotten out of the service, I had let myself go as far as weight was concerned. And, uh, I got up there, uh, I was over 300, 300 pounds. I was 320, uh, at one point in time and, um, you know, doing the plumbing thing. And it was, it was, uh, it was very challenging uh, to get in crawl spaces and, and do certain, certain tasks, uh, you know, upstairs apartments I would have to take stairs to. I felt like I was darn near going to have a heart attack by the time I got up there. And then something that uh, not very many people know is that I chose about eight years ago, I chose to have gastric bypass surgery. Really? Yeah. So um, I had that. And That's I lost a big all. lifestyle change right there. It That's was a huge a lifestyle change. Huge huge lifestyle change. So, uh, I lost 140 pounds wow. in just over a year. And, uh, and I was, I was feeling great. And as part of that, 
process, that's when I started my running. Like right after surgery, man, I, man we were three weeks out of surgery. Uh, I started, I did my first 5K. Um, and then it's just kind of, I'm, a, I'm kind of a goal-oriented pers- person. And I said, okay, well, if I could do a 5K, let's try a 10K. Yeah, I'm not a runner. I never have been. I've hated running all my life. To this day, mm-hmm. I still hate running. Uh, but hey, let's see if I can do a 10K. Yep, did a 10K. Well, you know what? Let's go to the next level. Let's do a half marathon. That's 13 miles, man. That's a that'll be a, that'll be something. Uh, did that and did a couple of those, and went ahead and did the full marathons. And mm-hmm. now during that whole process, that's a lot of training and running and training and running, and along with the gastric bypass, that allowed my weight to drop, 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 drop. I got down to 179 pounds and I was in great shape. And once I did, uh, I did like, like in your article, I mentioned, I did three, uh, full marathons. I did the, the air force marathon being my first, uh, which I thought was the most fitting, um, because I'm a air force veteran. Uh, then I did the, that was in Dayton, Ohio. Then I did the Chicago marathon, uh, three weeks later, um, which was awesome. Then I did the uh, Marine Corps Marathon uh, two weeks later in D.C. Once I did those, I thought, okay, now what? You know, what's next uh, challenge-wise? And that's when uh, somebody mentioned, uh, uh, my best buddy mentioned, I'm going to start doing triathlons. Mm -hmm. And I said, all right. And and that best buddy, by the way, I I met him because of the surgery. Uh, He had gastric bypass the day before. And mm-hmm. so we're walking the halls and, you know, they, they want you to walk, 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 you know, to, to, to I don't know, I don't know why keep from getting blood clot or whatever. And so, uh, you know, you saw somebody else that was big walking the halls uh, at, on that floor. You pretty much knew they had that surgery. So we actually developed a great friendship. Uh, I, I still call him my best friend today, um, having met him through gastric bypass surgery. But he did the same. He started running, and then he decided to start triathlon. So I did as well. So I started with the short triathlon, went up to the Olympic-level triathlon, and then made it to the uh, half Ironman. And that was that was a big one. That took me like a little over seven hours uh, for that that one. And after that, I kind of I kind of uh, stalled because that really kind of kicked my butt. And I thought, how would I do a full one? In order to do a full one, I would have to dedicate a lot more time, especially into the bike, because it's like a 112-mile bike. And I didn't have six hours at a time at that point in my life to dedicate to, to going and riding and riding and riding. Yeah. And so that was really kind of the excuse that I used that and you know, I got busy with plumbing. And I says, you know, I guess I've reached the top of what I, I'm going to be able to do. Yeah. What's the hardest of the three for you? Biking? Uh, it's either the biking or the running. Uh, I was uh, a swimmer all four years and even before high school, but on all four years I swam varsity. And so the swimming to me comes like mm-hmm. supernatural. Like I could not be swimming for two years and jump in yeah. and just take off and, and do a long period, you know? Okay. So that that's natural for me and a lot of other people it's not. But the biking and the running, especially when it comes to distance, the biking is probably when I got to 50 miles on that bike, it was a 56 mile ride. I, I was miserable where I couldn't stand on the pedals because uh, mm. my legs hurt too much and I couldn't sit because my butt hurt too much. And so I was like, 
how am I supposed to get off of here in six miles and now run a half a half a marathon, you know? And Oh, I and, thought they went in shifts. So like after 50 miles, you get to take a, like go home and oh, take a nap and then come back. Would be, that would be great. I like that rule. <laughs> if you could try to implement that, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> no, doesn't work that way. I've got right a buddy on. that runs these ultra marathons. That's you know, like a mm. hundred miles running. You run yeah. like for 16 hours and I'm just like, how do, what is your yeah. mindset? How are you built for that? I didn't think right. human bodies were built for that. Yeah, I don't know. That that amazes me as well. Because after 26 miles, I was done. Done, done, done. So, mm-hmm. uh, but and I'm thinking about I'm thinking about trying to start training uh, for a uh, full Ironman. Uh, I, I still have it as a goal. Um, my knee has been bothering me uh, in the last uh, year. And so I don't know that if it's going to allow me to, my body might've kind of got to a point that it's not going to allow me to do that. But if I can, I think I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that. Have you heard of those Spartan races? Yes, I have. Those are interesting to me as well. I may, I might do those in the future too. Except, you know, you got to pull yourself up on a rope and I can't see pulling my fat ass up anywhere. So I will have to lose some more weight because, yeah, as we kind of mentioned, I'm I'm a roller coaster. So I lost all that weight and did pretty well until I stopped with the the triathlons. Uh, And then it slowly started coming back because my my uh, taste buds did not change. Surgery does not fix that. So you Mm -hmm. really have to wrap your head around changing your diet. And so it has slowly crept back through the years, but not all the way. I've, I've put back on about 50 of those 140 pounds. And mm. so I'm still in, I'm not in, in, in a horrible position, but I'm not as in good shape as I needed that I, that I was, or that I need to be to do an Ironman. So I'm definitely trying to get, get my uh, head back in the game with this working out thing. Tell us about how social media kind of changed uh, your life or your, you know, how you view the plumbing industry. Um, I'm just looking at a picture here that was drawn or painted uh, by, is it Steven Soyden? Yeah, it sure is. Steven Soyden. And and he's, I've seen you together. You guys are good friends. You've become good friends and that maybe it's from social media. Kind of talk about how social media has changed. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. So Stephen Soyden, first of all, I'm going to touch that uh, subject first. He is uh, an awesome dude, a great plumber. He's an Air Force veteran, uh, and um, he's in New Hampshire and uh, has one of the best accents. If you ever get a chance to talk to the guy or, you know, he used to post some videos. He really doesn't post very much anymore video-wise, but has a, a perfect accent to listen to. Anyhow, he's a great plumber. Uh, and he is a, a good artist as well. So mm-hmm. when it came time for me to uh, get a sticker, you know, because I, I found out in the, the world of Instagram, everyone has a sticker, right? We yep, all do these yep. sticker, sticker trades. Uh, my wife laughs at me about that, you know. Uh, but um, I, <laughs> I, I reached out to uh, Stephen Soyden and I said, hey, buddy, I, you know, can you, can you make, uh, you know, help me out with this? this vision I have for the sticker and he jumped all over it. Uh, he was great to work with. He actually made some changes for me as he was going. And so that's, that's the, the end result that you see there. But as far as social media goes, social media has been a, a fantastic tool. It's been a, a, a really 
awesome tool on different levels, just getting to meet guys uh, that you know you can talk shop with and, and uh, know that you're not crazy. You feel the same way as, as others feel about your trade and about different products. Um, it's just been a really cool thing. Actually, I, you mentioned how it be with Danny G started or the, sure. you know, the moniker uh, yeah. came about. So, and I was kind of doing some videos on my own that I would just post, you know, Hey, this is, this is a, a little tip or a trick that I've, I've come up with. And, and so then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, well you know, let's name this. If we're going to make it a, a thing, let's kind of put a name to it. And, uh, that was just the thing that stuck is like, well, this is how it is with me. You know, that's how I do it. Oh, how it'd be with Danny G has a little ring to it. Yeah. And so that's where that, that's where that whole, how it be with Danny G started because of social media. What, what does your, what does your wife call you? Uh, <laughs> hey, you, I, I don't know. If she's angry with you, does she, Daniel? No, 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 no. Actually, uh, she doesn't get angry with me. Yeah. <laughs> pretty awesome but uh no she uh my name is actually danny that's a, that's another thing uh, little known about me on my birth certificate uh my parents named me danny not daniel and okay. so that that's something that i get uh, uh quite frequently uh is, is the daniel thing but uh nope it's uh it's danny and uh i don't know like i said she doesn't really get angry at me a whole lot and if she does i guess she doesn't talk to me that's how i know she's angry at me yeah that's how i get John, I don't remember. Did you do a Just the Tip Tuesday with Danny yet? I have not, no. I think we've got a new uh, a new one for Just the Tip Tuesday. <laughs> What's that, not getting your wife mad at you? No, I mean, I, I think Danny can come up with some tips for us. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I would be happy to do that. I'll tell you, I will say this uh, about my work is I'm not really fast. Uh, I'm not, you know, there's so many people that could work circles around me. But something that, like I, I mentioned in that uh, in the article there, um, you know, Bob Coleman uh, was was one that really taught me from the beginning how to be good and how to take pride in your work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, making it look good, making it uh, to to run good, to to be good and and last. That those were qualities that he really taught me, and so that's something that I've always since I've been in the trade. I've always done is I want to make my work right, make it look good. I'm not really super, super watch. I'm not a clock watcher. You know, if it takes a while to do something at the end of the day, you're not going to remember that while that it took you to do it. You're going to always yeah. remember that project that you worked on and, and that you installed properly. What would you give advice? Would you give to that young person looking to become an apprentice in the trades? The, the biggest piece of advice that I would have is for them to uh, learn as much as they possibly could about the trade. And, and this can be across different trades, so not just plumbing. Sure. Uh, just, just learn as, as much as you can because there's always more. Just when you think you know it all, there's more to learn. Um, so you'll be the most valuable and most effective at what you do the more that you know about it. And so don't get comfortable in the fact, oh, I can change water heaters. I can do this and this, Um, you know, pick up more and and learn more and just pick up everything you can. Sometimes uh, people are willing to teach you like that. Bob Coleman was willing to teach me. He would pull me to the side and say, this is what you need. Let's do this, do this. Whereas a lot of guys I've worked with, they don't. They're, They're just not that willing to do that. And 
that with those people, you just have to uh, pay attention to what they're doing, want to learn and be able to do what they're doing, I guess is, is, is really what I would suggest. So that's my biggest thing is learning, learning, learning. No, nope, nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. Before we kind of close out the uh, interview, did, you know, we've got holidays. Uh, we're, we're in the depths of the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Uh, big plans for you and your family for the holidays? Well, you know, we're in this COVID Christmas, so, you know, trying to, to keep to to the all the rules and everything. You know, it'll be a small Christmas at the house uh, with uh, a couple of relatives that are, you know, nearby that were mm-hmm. around a lot. So, uh, you know, I, I think that this COVID year has really got things down, but uh, it's not going to change uh, the meaning of Christmas for us by, by any means. Uh, so it'll, it'll just be kind of a little bit toned down from, from in the past, probably. Um, it's, it's been a weird year, but I, mm-hmm. all indications, you know, we see the light at the end of the tunnel and um, Great. You know, hopefully and this time next year, we'll be back to some sort of new normalcy, whatever that normalcy is. Sure. Hey, I yeah. will say the good thing about COVID is, you know, we started doing podcasts and we get to talk to good people like exactly. you. Exactly. There you go. I like that. There's there's a, a silver lining to that COVID cloud. Well, um, we always ask our guests uh, as we close out the show, when was the last time you said today is a great day? When is that? Recently. Uh, okay, it would be, it'd be whenever I filmed at NIPCO, to be honest with you. When I left there, I was exhausted. It was a long day of filming, but I sat there in the car and that's that's exactly what I said to myself. Today was a great day. Uh, everything went well. Uh, the people at NIPCO were fantastic. Uh, it was uh, working with Sally and Angela, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, they were they were just the best to work with. And uh, and I had my my cameraman that I had uh, brought as well. And it was a great day. We we did well. Um, I performed well, which was not always the case. Uh, and um, and it, 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 the project turned out great. And, and I kind of, uh, it was the biggest thing that I had done uh, in, the, in, in my rapping uh, spectrum. And so I thought, wow, today's a great day. So yeah, that would be it. It'd be last Friday. That's excellent. I'm, we're looking forward to seeing uh, this uh, endeavor with Nibco. Sure. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you are. And, and it, that should, like I said, it should be coming out here really soon. So I'm looking forward to them releasing it as well. Excellent. Danny, you didn't think we'd let you off without uh, you doing a little rap stuff for us. Come on. We got to hear right. something. All right. So here's, uh, I don't freestyle, but what I do have is this. Uh, I will go ahead and give you the very first rap song that uh, that I listened to that got me hooked on rap. And and it's by, it's by Run DMC, actually. So I'll give you a little bit. We're not going to do the whole song. <laughs> but if, if that would be interesting to know what got Danny G started and yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'll just have to see if I can uh, kick off a little bit. Of this. this is uh, by Run DMC. It's called uh, Jam Master J. Kick off the shoes, jump on the jock. Listen to the Jam Master as he starts to rock. His name is Jay and he's on his way to be the best DJ in the U.S. of A. Awesome. Hey, here we go. Here we go. J-A-Y are the letters of his name. 
Cutting and scratching are the actions of his game. So check out the master as he cuts these jams. And look at us with the mics in our hands. Then take a count. One, two, three. Jam Master J. Run DMC. Wait. <laughs> He's Jam Master J, the big beat blaster. He gets better because he knows he has to. In 84, he'll be a little faster. The only practice makes a real Jam Master. Yeah, I messed up right there. Hang on a second. I got one more line for you. This is a good one. We're live as can be, not singing the blues. We got to tell you all the good news. The good news is that there is a crew, not five, not four, not three, just two. Two MCs who are claiming the fame and all other things won't be the same because it's about time for a brand new group. Run DMC to put you up on the scoop. We make the fly girl scream in ecstasy. We rock the freshest rhymes at a party. Put all the fellas in a daze. It's everyone that we amaze. And we got the master of a disco scratch. There's not a break that he can't catch. Jam Master J, that is his name. And all wild DJs he will tame behind the turntable is where he stands and there is the movement of his hands and when asked who's the best y'all should say run dmc and jam master j danny Woo. g, danny g in the house. wow in the house well, danny g danny Gronendike, thank you so much for joining the show what a pleasure man thank you you're, so much you're welcome thanks for having me it's been fun guys i appreciate thank you, danny, it danny and have a very wonderful and very merry christmas all right, you too, guys. And that's how it be with Danny G. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Not Dead Yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum. And graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening, and until next week. <laughs>